We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast. The Uncontested Podcast presents Under the Bubble, a special podcast series previewing all 22 teams returning to play at Disney World. We're talking to podcasters, writers, and bloggers who cover these teams to get you all caught up before the NBA is back in action on July 31st. Tune in every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, for the latest episode in the series. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, episode three of the Under the Bubble series. We are finishing up the Eastern Conference this week. We have some great interviews I am super excited to get you guys into. But before we do that, just want to let you know, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you f- subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Drop that five-star rating while you're at it. And like I said, we're wrapping up the Eastern Conference this week. So nine teams from the East going into the bubble down in Disney World. This week, we had... Maybe the architect, the the guy who started it all for Disney World and the NBA coming back there, Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports and Celtics Blog, and the co-host of the NBA Insiders podcast, he came on and talked with Taylor about the Boston Celtics. Then I had a very fun interview with Adam Corsair, who is the host of the South of the Sixth podcast covering the Toronto Raptors, as we broke down what the defending champs are looking like heading into the bubble And then lastly, friends of the podcast, Ty Windish and Rohan Cotty of the Eurostep podcast came on to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and their quest for a title with Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
So with that being said, let's get you guys right over to Taylor's conversation with Keith Smith of Yahoo Sports. Okay, so now we are joined by the man, the myth, the legend, reoccurring guest of the uncontested, and probably most importantly right now, Mr. Disney Bubble himself, Keith Smith. <laughs> Keith uh, contributes to Yahoo Sports NBA, Real GM, Celtics blog, and is a co-host of the Front Office Show with Trevor Lane. Um, however, he is still looking for full-time NBA employment, so hire this man if you're listening to this. Please, <laughs> please. You can find Keith on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. And Keith, thanks again so much for jumping on and getting to talk some Boston Celtics with us today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate those kind words very much. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if if we can get you employed full time in the NBA, I think that'd be um, that'd be awesome for all of us NBA fans. So, be awesome I know you're for probably me tired and my of family as well. So, <laughs> very understandable. Um, so, I'm sure you're you're tired of, of being asked about this, but. Um, like I said, you came kind of came up with this idea. You wrote the article for Yahoo um, about the how the NBA should consider um, playing on the, the worldwide sports campus there on, I guess, Disney's campus. And um, it really gained a lot of traction. And the next thing we know, we're actually hearing real reports about the NBA considering this. It was like this in Vegas. And then they kind of, kind of narrowed it down to one location, which ended up being uh, ESPN's Worldwide Sports. And so um, I'm not going to ask you how it all came about or anything, but when you found out that the NBA was uh, actually considering this idea how did you feel and kind of did you find out just like the rest of us or did you have some somebody reach out how, how did that come together I, I heard through the grapevine that it was you know the discussions were moving forward and at the time uh the folks from so so different from like like Shams and Woj and those guys who are getting all yeah. their stuff from the NBA I've been getting most of my stuff from the Disney folks right because um, those are the ones I you know have access to a little bit easier so one of the things that was um interesting through the process is they were under the belief at least initially that they were going to be one of the sites and then as it things progressed and then I think when the Las Vegas mayor gave that kind of um uh let's just say weird interview um, we are uh, open for business you know, yeah, and everything's yeah that that i think kind of really turned the nba off and, and the nba sense. was very interested because you know disney is private property they can control access easier than a lot of other places and things like that so so that was when it started to really transition that all right it might be just disney and then from there it's been you know i've been kind of hearing it uh just just like everybody else has and in absolutely still you know shocked uh you know that this is is happening um you know disney has been a backup uh location for a team for a number of years they, they've always considered it if for some reason a team was forced out of their um home area that disney could be a backup for them if you know if there was some kind of uh you know a disaster or the like right. that, that forced the team out kind of but, like um the the new orleans i guess exactly uh, before yeah. the pelicans yep. when they came out the yeah, hornets when they, when they were still the hornets yep yeah, and they played in OKC for a while. Yeah, so that's exactly the um, the the push. So you know what is um, you know what's interesting now though is the entire league. That's never been really a thing, you know, that right. they, they've considered. And I think it's, you know, unprecedented times take unprecedented measures. And hopefully, you know, in a month or so here, everything will be, you know, uh, able to go off without a hitch. And they'll have everybody here uh, on site at Walt Disney World. And the reason why I say here, I live about a mile and a half from Walt Disney World <laughs> property. So, that is so awesome. if I say here, it, it, I really do mean here. You're literally, literally there. And uh, like you mentioned, you, you actually had an, a, a follow-up write-up because you're getting so many questions. How do you know all this? I mean, you, you were employed by the Walt Disney World for 
a very long time. And um, so, yeah, it's been really fun for me specifically, um, you know, if I'm working during the day and, and I'm really busy and then I'm seeing my phone blow up with all these shams and, and woe tweets, just going to your uh, Twitter account because you're <laughs> able to provide that that Disney uh, that Disney sources that really kind of um, paints us in a bigger picture. And, and it was really helpful and, and it's been fun to follow with. So that's awesome. Um, and I really appreciate, appreciate you uh, providing that insight. But like I said, I know you've been hounded about this. So we're going to hopefully kind of give you something else to talk about. Um, kind of get your mind off that and, and something for you to have a little more fun with. Uh, talk specifically about the Boston Celtics resuming sure. their season. Yeah, let's do <laughs> a that. A team that you uh, that are a big like fan fun. of and I know that you uh, have gotten to cover for a long time now. So the recap for the Boston Celtics heading into this, I guess, hiatus of play. We're 43 and 21. That was good for third in the East, and they were only three games back behind Toronto, who was in the current, currently second place. Um, I think like nine games back of the first seed, Milwaukee Bucks, who were just on fire. Um, they were five and five. The Celtics prior to the break and play, injury wise, thankfully it, it wasn't too bad. But Jalen Brown was kind of nursing a hamstring. Uh, Kimba was nursing a knee really ever since the All Star game and the All Star break. Um, but I was reading some stuff prior to this interview, and it seems like both maybe ready to go and the uh the break and play could really have helped them get healthy again although we'll see if, if some of that pops back up you know I, I read some of your question and answers with some people and you mentioned being a little concerned maybe about uh Kimba's knee soreness coming back um but as of right now it looks like everybody's ready to go am I correct there is there anybody else yeah no they and they had other guy you know Marcus Smart just because of his style of play always True. has some form of bumps and bruises he's kind um, of like the um on. the Thunder's version of Stephen Adams <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah there's always something you know he, he's it he seems like he is uh, regularly questionable to play and more often than not he you know uh, toughs it out and plays through it Jalen Brown beyond the hamstring he was he was dealing with hamstring and ankle issues issues in both legs which is you know really kind of concerning it was you know just as one had gotten better the other one you know kind of took over so so that this time time off off of his feet and the like has done him quite well and you mentioned Kemba Walker with the knee injury now that was something the team was prepared to really um, go through with or manage I guess for the rest of the uh, rest of the regular season and into the playoffs and now they're hopeful that this downtime has helped him and they by all accounts he looks pretty good but they're kind of taking the same approach of you know um the Boyan Bogdanovich from the Utah Jazz, the fact that when he was playing through that wrist injury and then when they ramped up, it really was just too painful and he couldn't go. So that's something Boston's going to have a very close eye on Kemba. I would not expect to see him get a ton of work. Even if they are playing back-to-back games, it wouldn't be a surprise if he sits out or if his minutes are really managed um, through these eight seeding games and the like. And they really are, you know, signs on you know knocking the rust off but getting him ready and healthy um for when the playoffs come around but they're hopeful that he's going to be okay so so we'll we'll, we'll run with that for now because that's the best we have yeah absolutely it uh it wouldn't quite be the same without Kimbit out there on the floor and as a nba fan in general i certainly hope that both him and jalen are ready to go because the celtics are a very fun team when they're full strength and speaking of that just some season highlights that um i kind of came up with but i'm curious to get your perspective on and see if there's anything else that um that really stood out to celtics fans specifically uh, this season i think the most first and most obvious is jason tatum just kind of taking the quote-unquote next step um there prior to the the break and play especially after the all-star break he really seemed like he was 
coming into almost like an MVP form. I mean, he was looking fantastic. Yeah, um, he's the reigning Eastern watch. Conference Player of the Month. Sorry to interrupt right. you, but no, 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 no. Uh, please, please you know, do because the, the longest reign ever point. is uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Month. If, if I've got my math right, <laughs> you know. But yeah, he he was playing amazing. Yeah, absolutely. He you know was going through periods where it was almost more of a surprise when he missed a shot than if he made one. It was uh you know it, it was he had really blossomed and you know coming to his own over that little stretch. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, another young player um, that's often kind of linked with Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown, uh, you know, another very athletic wing. Again, he was kind of nursing some injuries, but um, his continued development, while maybe not taking the big step that uh, Tatum made, you know, he was continued to kind of come into form and was was really contributing well. Um, I think even you could argue more so on the defensive end maybe this season for the Celtics, but just a very well-rounded player who uh, continues to show improvement and development. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jalen Brown is, you know, it, it's their 1-1A one one for the Celtics future, and they have been, you know, locked into those two guys, and they, they have both played really, really well. And, um, you know, they, they complement each other well. They're, they're very, uh, you know, styles, you know, match each other. Both, both are able to defend really three positions. They can both defend the two through four positions with very little issue um, with, with a lot of guys, and that's, that's been very important to their defense. Jalen Brown, it's not uncommon for for him to take the other team's uh, best um, bigger um, wing player, while Marcus Smart will take the the best of the um, smaller wing players, um, and then Tatum as a help defender is able to come around and do some stuff. But those two, you know, together, it really is it's one and one a for their importance to Boston now and going forward. Well, that's a perfect transition because uh, another seasonal highlight that I have is Marcus Smart's defense, uh, specifically after listening to the low post last week, I believe, and uh, and. Uh, Zach actually had, you know, Marcus Smart on an all-defensive NBA team, and, and rightfully so, I believe, first team. I could be making that yeah, up. Yeah, he did. No, yeah, yeah, both of them did. Both him and uh, um, Kevin, Kevin? Arnovitz did. Yeah, yep. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, and, and rightfully so, Marcus has been incredible. Um, being an Oklahoman myself, I got to watch Marcus at OSU, so it's been really <laughs> yep. cool to to see him develop, and um, his defense has been critical for this team, as well as, obviously, the, the obvious a uh, new addition in Kimba Walker and just having a healthy Gordon Hayward, even if he maybe isn't the superstar, you know, Gordon Hayward that we saw in Utah, um, having him healthy again and contributing uh, this season and, uh, and how he's kind of fit in with guys like Tatum and Brown. Um, he really kind of started to find his stride towards that second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Hayward's had a fantastic year. He's, you know, uh, pushing the heck out of a 50-40-90 shooting season. Um, he's not going to wow. get there, but but is, you know, really, really, you know, shot the ball well. Um, he gets a lot of grief from Celtics fans when he has those, you know, 3 of 12 games, but then everybody just kind of passes over when he shoots 6 of 8 and scores 15 points. Right. You know, which is, you know, that's, every team has a guy like that, and he's, he's the guy for the Celtics. And, and, of course, you know, it doesn't help that he's on the max contract, and this is really his his best year since you know breaking his leg on opening night in his right. first ever game with the Celtics. So you know, yeah, he he's played really well um, for them all season, and the offense works best when he is kind of the primary playmaker and ball handler um, in the half court. That's you know they they play off of him quite well, and he does a really good job. That's one of the ways they keep him involved, and he you know that's one of the reasons why he's you know up there for near the team leaders and assists per game and the like because he just makes a lot of things happen when he has the ball in his hands absolutely taking advantage of his playmaking and that's really interesting too uh, how, how well that really works even with Kimba on the floor um, but I think that, that's a great season recap uh, and now kind of diving into what to expect from the Celtics when we resume play hopefully <laughs> in Disney World here and I guess 
three weeks or so now. We're, we're getting closer and closer. Um, so in your opinion, Keith, how is the team trending before the shutdown? I mentioned they were five and five of their last 10 before the shutdown happened, but um, how are you feeling about the team overall before all COVID happened, basically? Yeah, I was feeling pretty good because even the games they had lost in that stretch were close. They had a two-point loss um, at the Lakers. Then they had an overtime loss by one point to the Rockets. And over, uh, it was either overtime or double overtime. I think overtime loss to the Nets. Um, and then they lost a close one to the Jazz and then a one-point loss to the Thunder. So all of their five losses were you know five points um, or overtime. Um, oh, the gosh, Nets that game, Thunder game. Little, that was uh, yeah, that was wild. yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and they had the one, you know, only about what a month uh, ahead of that. Yeah, I think right. it was in in right. Oklahoma City. Where Just going toe to toe. That was uh, that was those were fun games. Absolutely. Yeah, they definitely were. So they're you know, so I, I'm not overly concerned about the fact that they'd hit a little rough stretch. They they hadn't played um, bad teams in that stretch, and other than Minnesota and Cleveland, and they handled both of those teams there. And I think it was kind of the point in the year where it's it's you know the NBA season and hits those dog days in, in late right. February and March. And that's just where the Celtics were. It was just, you got to kind of grind through those periods and, and do your thing. And they, but you know, overall, I feel like they, they had a really good season. Um, they, they certainly weren't going to catch Milwaukee for the top spot. That was too far out of range. They might've caught Toronto and they still had another game left to play against the Raptors. So, so that might've made a difference, but I think they were going to finish two or three, uh, probably likely three. And that was going to be, you know, the, where are they going now we'll see you know if they can make up that ground on toronto they're three games behind so that's a pretty big stretch to ask in only eight games to make that up you, you really need the raptors to kind of come in and fall apart in in uh, walt disney world but you know the reality is i think boston's you know gonna hit this playoffs you know looking pretty good and i think for them Danny Ainge said it at the trade deadline when he was asking you, why didn't you make a move? And he said, our hope has been get healthy. That's all we want. Right. That's the exactly. best move we could possibly make. And I think you're going to see the Celtics about as at their healthiest that they've been all season long, because even at the beginning of the year, a couple of their young guys, role players off the bench, they weren't healthy. So, so now, you know, hopefully you're coming back with, with a Celtics team that looks, you know, healthy and ready to go. And, you know, one other thing is they've played pretty good against some of the NBA's best teams. This year, they, they've done a nice job. They, they've they've had some losses where it was like, what in the world happened here? So, you know, losses yeah. where you're just kind of confused by the whole thing. But against some of the better teams, they've played really well. And I think, you know, that bodes well for their future also. So that's, again, another perfect transition, Keith, because I was going to ask you as well, these, you know, that every team is going to be playing eight, um, I guess what they're calling reseeding games, basically yeah, to, uh, games, yep. to compensate for, um, like you mentioned, you know, not being able to, either climb the rankings or drop in the rankings, uh, for example, uh, before the playoffs started. And so how are you feeling about that eight-game lineup that the the Celtics have um, and, and coming out of the break? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, there was a lot of reporting early on that it looked like it was going to be the next eight games of the teams that are going to be in right. uh, Walt Disney World. Now we don't know that that's exactly what it's going to be. It sounds like there may be some tweaks to that. So so we'll see. It sounds like the schedule is going to be released at some point um, towards the end of next week as we're recording this on a Saturday. Um, it sounds like the end of next okay. week is when we'll see the schedule come out. So, you know, but... You know, assuming, you know, it's clearly going to be a mix of, you know, the, the other 21 teams that are there. I think the Celtics will be okay. I, I, I don't expect them to move up. Um, again, three games behind Toronto, 
that's that's a lot to ask um that's a pretty big margin to make up um but they also are two and a half games really functionally three games um because of the half game not everybody's gonna play an even amount of games right so it's functionally three games ahead of the miami heat so i think it is most likely boston sticks in the three seed um, they have a little no, bit of a cushion no there what it is yeah I, I just i just i i don't i think it's too far to go to catch toronto and i think it's too far to fall to to get caught by miami you know what, and especially in the Eastern Conference and uh, considering that the NBA is going to stick with the Eastern uh, Conference playoffs and the Western Conference playoffs and not reseeding 1 through 16, um, I, I think that's probably beneficial for the Celtics as well. I think they have some favorable matchups there. But um, speaking yeah, of matchups... You, you, well, and, oh, one thing is you, right, you'd love to get to two um, in a normal year because right. you don't want to play at Toronto for right. Game 7. <laughs> and now that's not the case. So you know the main goal here is stick at two or three and avoid Milwaukee until the conference finals uh, that's your, your main thing now you you would like the maybe easier matchup of brooklyn or, or orlando especially the, compared uh, to like spot. the sixers <laughs> yeah compared to the but, sixers or the pacers or the heat so right. so that's going to be interesting to see you know how, how that all gets prioritized I, I think we might see in both conferences some uh seating shenanigans and you know teams are yeah i think i'd rather play here <laughs> or be on this side of the bracket or or whatever the case is and it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out but but yeah i, I think for boston the main goal is um they're not going to push, you know, super hard to catch Toronto. It's more about stay out of the four line and stay out of Miami. So you can avoid Milwaukee as long as possible. (laughs) Very fair. And Milwaukee has been on absolute fire. Um, But so speaking kind of on that note, um, some players to watch on the team, you know, we've already kind of talked about the stars and and Jason Tatum, uh, Kimba and Jalen Brown. But what about some underrated guys that maybe uh, Celtics fans are throwing out at NBA fans uh, in general may not uh, really be thinking of right now uh, with this break going on. And do you think any of these players really benefited or suffered because of the shutdown and quarantine? Yeah, Hayward, you know, I know we talked about him a little bit earlier, but he he has still uh, lingering issues with that foot and ankle um, from breaking it a couple years ago. And, you know, any time off that he can get is always valuable. He, you know, uh, he's one of the players that they've shown some video of uh, working out and he looks great. So so I think, you know, he's going to be somebody who benefits from this. And then Marcus Smart, just because, again, he's always banged up. He'll be a guy. But an underrated guy who I think really benefits is Daniel Tice. He's very yeah. undersized to be a starting center and that takes a lot of toll on him he, he's another guy who's kind of constantly beat up and um, he takes a lot of charges so he's you know getting knocked around and you know just all sorts of things so I think for him to have this time off that's going to be really huge yeah absolutely I think that's a, those are two really good ones and uh, somebody who's been really critical for the the Celtics this season in that lineup and it's really kind of been almost like a glue guy for that starting five and so I, I'm glad you brought him up um, and on that note are there any big changes you expect when the Celtics take the court again that Stevens may be uh, implementing or, um, you know, like new lineups, conditioning, style play, chemistry, and something specific uh, to the Celtics that I actually saw, I was reading through a question and answer you did for the Celtics blog, and you mentioned the Celtics preferred starting five. So that could be a specific example. Do you see any big changes or just something that the Celtics will stick with when they resume play again? No, I don't think so. I, I expect it to be the, you know, as you called it, the Brad Stevens preferred starting five. That's uh, Walker, Brown, Tatum, Hayward, and Tice. And then Marcus Smart is the day. He thinks he, he calls himself a stretch six, whatever that means. Um, you know, I think that's his, his version of being the sixth man. Um, so expect him. And then the rest of the players after that, the guy who the guys who are most likely to be in the mix, uh, 
from that point forward are going to be Grant Williams. He is generally part of the rotation and Brad Wanamaker. Those are the only two guys I would consider to be really locks to be in there um, for the Celtics. You'll see Robert Williams, Ennis Cantor, Semi Ojale, maybe some of Romeo Langford mixed in yep. there as, as necessary um, as, as they go, because that those guys are more matchup based. Um, and it kind of depends as they get into there. But, but yeah, I, I think you're going to see um, them look a lot like they usually look, where it'll be the starting five, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Wanamaker, and then Stevens will go to whoever he needs from there. I'm a big fan of Grant, Grant Williams. I really have enjoyed watching him play this season. I think uh, the Celtics definitely have a a, a contending player, a, a really solid role player that they can move with going forward. Um, so I'm glad Once you he started making well. shots. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, you know, he made, he that missed is his, fair. I, I think it was his first 22 uh, three-point <laughs> shots of his career. And everybody was a little bit like, oh, no. You know, <laughs> once he started knocking those down at a pretty decent decent clip, yeah, he, he you know, really changed it. But, he, you know, super smart guy. He can play the four and the five. Yep. Um, you know, small. Very ball. versatile. And then I would keep an eye on Robert Williams. They they love him. They love his it's activity timeboard. and his energy. Yeah. And I think his back is from right wet red. I think his back. Hopefully, this break will help in terms of everything. Sounds like it's good. Somebody actually had a clip of him playing um, uh, at a playground, and he was you know skying over guys for dunks and the like. So, (laughs) so you know, hopefully, he comes in and he he's a guy who could make some difference because Stevens likes to put him out there when the team you know needs a burst of energy up front. And you know, one one thing to keep an eye on with him that gets overlooked because people see the blocks and they see the dunks. He's actually a really good pass. Um, so they can run a lot of the same stuff they run with Daniel Tice um, as far as uh, letting him be kind of a secondary facilitator of offense um, as plays develop because he is a good passer. He doesn't have the shot Tice has, of course, but he is um, you know, he's able to do some stuff as a, as a passer from the top of the key. Well, um, you know, as much as, as while Enos Cantor may be one of my favorite NBA personalities in the league, <laughs> um, the Celtics certainly do need uh, some some help there at the backup center position um, because Enos can only do so much. And yeah. so having Robert Williams healthy and being able to contribute like that, I think could be really huge for the Celtics. So I'm glad you yeah. brought him up as it- well. And they'll, they'll mix Cantor in. Um, right. That's more uh, matchup dependent. You know, if they play Philadelphia in the first round of the playoffs, you'll see him because he he can actually bang with Joel Embiid. Some Get and rebounds that, and yeah, can contribute and offensively. Exactly, and that's you know important. But if it's uh, you know Indiana, that's probably not the matchup for him because you don't want him you know chasing Sabonis and Turner around outside the perimeter, the, the, you know, <laughs> perimeter. and uh, Miami's you know bigs tend to be a little more perimeter based as well. Fair. So. So it really is matchup dependent or, or, you know, you get him in there against second units where a lot of times on the second units, he becomes a focal point of the offense right. uh, for a handful of possessions because you can generally dump it into him and, and you know, you're going to get a pretty good look. That's really funny you mentioned that because as a Thunder fan, I certainly can relate. <laughs> that was yep. very similar to his his role in the playoffs for OKC. Exactly. Um, the infamous can't play Cantor, but also he has games <laughs> where he he's has the twenty twenty games. So, um, that, that that's funny. But two more questions. The the second to last one is I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I'm gonna have you lay it out there. Your playoff prediction, Keith, for the Boston Celtics. How many rounds, games? What are you thinking? I think they're gonna get to the conference finals, and and I think they'll lose to Milwaukee. There, I just they just don't have a good answer for Giannis. I mean, no, nobody Who does. does? Yeah. but but I, I mean, they really don't. You know, Semi Ojale is their best bet on him, but that means really tweaking the starting five. My guess is what they'll do, assuming everybody is healthy, 
they will um they'll put either uh Hayward or Brown on him to start games and then they'll quickly go to Smart and Ojale will be the primary defenders for and him. And kind of let them bang and uh, bang yeah, with him no. a little bit and a little more aggressive defensively. That's- and Smart has had some success against Giannis in the past because he gets up and underneath him. It makes him uncomfortable. He doesn't you know, like that when guys do that to him. So he's had a little bit of success. Ojale doesn't get pushed back. You know, we, we know Giannis, he's so strong, and he likes to get that shoulder into a guy and move him. But Semi Ojale, you know, he, he's built like a truck. So so he is, you know, he's tough to, to move off the spot. So so those two guys will play a lot, but but it's just it there's just too many other questions that you know, but I think they can be competitive. I think it'll be a competitive series uh, with Milwaukee, but I, you know, just Milwaukee. I mean, they they have the best record in the league for a reason. Then you know they're another team that you know again should be pretty healthy here coming down coming into this you know a weird stretch run and then playoffs. So as long as they are, I, I would favor them against the Celtics. Yeah, no, that that is fair, but uh, I'm with you. I, I think that the Milwaukee Bucks could just be the the only team in the Eastern Conference that the uh, that could you know, knock off the Celtics. I, I even kind of like the Celtics a little bit in terms of Toronto, that, that matchup, if they were to see each other, um, which may be kind of unlikely, like you said. Um, but uh, yeah, regardless, I, uh, I, I'm i with you. I think that's probably pretty accurate. And uh, they could give Milwaukee a run for their money. So we will see. Yeah, um, and I hope last, we get, oh, sorry. sorry, I hope we get no, 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 that Toronto series in the I second round because be gosh, so we all wanted it forever. Um, you know, it's been that thing and it's just never happened in the playoffs and it's been, you know, years of, you know, Celtics and Toronto, you know, good regular season matchups and then just they never end up playing in the playoffs. So I, I you know, I'd love that because I think they really match up interestingly against each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be a, a ton of fun. Siakam and Tatum. I mean, that would just be a blast. But speaking, yeah. speaking of a blast, I, my last question for you is kind of a fun question. And we're going to relate it back to Disney because like you mentioned, uh, you might know a thing, a thing or two about Disney characters. <laughs> so since the league is resuming in Disney World, I'm going to name five Disney characters of this list that I have. And I want you to tell me who from your team close, most closely matches that Disney character that I'm going to throw to you. So I think the first one is the most obvious one that we have to start out with. Mickey Mouse. Who's the Mickey Mouse of the Boston Celtics? It's Kemba Walker because Mickey always has a smile on his face and so does Kemba. You know, that's the big, <laughs> big thing. Going all the way back to the offseason, um, Fran Fraschilla said it best when they added Kemba Walker in place of Kyrie Irving. And one of the things he said, which I always go back to, is the difference it makes to have a guy who shows up every day ready to work with a smile on his face and wants to be there. And that's, that's awesome. been Kemba all along. So, yeah, Kemba for, for Mickey for sure. So this one's kind of a fun one um, because I think it relates really well to basketball. Who's the Tigger uh, from Winnie the Pooh? Who's the Tigger of the Boston Celtics? Jalen Brown. Um, just you full know, of energy, I, super yeah, athletic. full of energy, bouncy. You know, can do all sorts of things. Um, if not Jalen Brown, then it's Javante Green, who's a you know oh, okay. a lower end rotation guy. Yeah, but uh, there, there's a. If you look up Javante Green's Twitter, uh, just so everybody should see this because it's amazing. He does a, a from a standstill underneath the basket, a three six uh, or a between the legs dunk. Um, he just picks oh the ball up off gosh. the ground, jumps, and puts it between his legs and dunks it. Um, he he wow. is you know, full of bounce. But but I'll go with Jalen Brown because well, let's let's go with a guy who's you know, certain, a little more certain to make an impact. <laughs> Fair. That's uh, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to go look that up after uh, after we're yeah, done. It's here. awesome. That's awesome. It's really impressive. So give me the Simba, the Boston Celtics, the uh, the heir to the throne per se. This one might be kind of obvious, but you might have a different spin on this. 
Yeah, it's probably Jason Tatum. Yeah. I think you know, um, I, I like to think of that too in terms of the city of Boston. Um, you know, they lost the hero, Tom Brady, left town. Um, uh, Mookie Betts was traded by the Red Sox, so it, it, it's it's from sports ownership, it's wide open as it has ever been. So I, I give it to Jason Tatum to be kind of the next guy to you know rule rule Boston as a sports kingdom. I, I'm 100 with you there. Um, and these last two, this one's kind of fun as well. Hercules, the muscle guy. Oh, that's Mark. Oh, uh, no. I was going to say Mark Smart, but that's Semi Ojale. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah that is. Yep. just jacked. Yep. You know, he, he is so yeah, jacked. It's, it's, he has it, been ever <laughs> since his college days. It's absurd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the joke on, uh, there's a thing called Weird Celtics Twitter, which, you know, they are, uh, if you've ever you know, heard of it or if you Google Weird Celtics Twitter, you'll you'll find out some stuff and you'll see somebody <laughs> wrote, I want to say it was maybe Sean Hyken uh, wrote an article about Weird Celtics Twitter. They've got all sorts of characters on there who do things and they only kind of tangential post about basketball and games yeah and they uh they they love semi usually and they like to call it combat muscles <laughs> combat muscle that is with. awesome that is awesome that's that's a good one i like that and then finally we're gonna end with this one this one's kind of fun i think you'll appreciate it because i I'm following along with your tweets and stuff i know you have a daughter who uh, probably is into this or at least was um so elsa from frozen who's the elsa of the boston celtics hmm. um no, I will say I'm going to use Marcus Smart for that one because of Elsa with the like ice powers and like yep. able to like freeze somebody out cold. Like, let's go with Marcus Smart. He's a stopper. He, he's a guy. If you if you want to freeze somebody out of, out of the other team's game plan, let's go with Smart. I love it. That that's a good one. I, I like that take. I like that spin. So, Keith, I think that's all I got for you. Do you have anything else you want to add about the Celtics? No, yeah, I mean, just, you know, super excited to, to see all of this, you know, get back together. Hopefully, um, you know, people here in my, my neck of the woods start wearing their masks and doing what they're supposed yes, to be doing. absolutely. Um, so that we can uh, get get this back, back uh, headed in the right direction numbers-wise. We've got a couple weeks till the NBA players are due to arrive in, in early July and then, uh, you know, month and a half-ish until games are going to start. So we've got some time to get things turned around in the right direction, and, and hopefully that's how things go. Yeah, no, it, definitely. I'm I'm 100% with you. And again, I'm just uh, so excited to watch some basketball. Um, so Keith, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Again, guys, if you're listening to this, first of all, if you're not following Keith, you're not a true NBA fan. <laughs> this guy has been all over the NBA during this uh, hiatus and has had some great details. So follow him on Twitter, at KeithSmithNBA. Be sure to check out his, his stuff on Yahoo Sports NBA, Real GM, Celtics Blog, and go and listen to the front office show. They just dropped a uh, recent episode yesterday, I believe, and uh, really good stuff there as well. And I mean, I know we have a, a smaller platform compared to some that Keith uh, finds himself on, but if anybody is listening to this, be sure to give this man a full-time NBA job because he is uh, he's crushing it. And like he, like he said, he's only like a mile and a half away from Disney World. So get this man hired and let's get him in that bubble. Um, and above all else, just following his Twitter account with everything going on. Keith is just an awesome, awesome guy. So be sure to give him a follow. Be sure to listen to his stuff. And uh, Keith, thank you again for coming on for probably like the fourth or fifth time on The Uncontested. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you so much. And you guys, you know, uh, enjoy. I'll stay safe here and yours. Yeah, thank you. Now let's take a quick minute to tell you guys about betonline.ag. There's no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, we have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? 
BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out as well. So make sure you visit BetOnline.ag and use that promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now let's get you over to my interview with Adam Corsair of the South of the Six podcast to talk about the Toronto Raptors. All right, so now we are joined by Adam Corsair to talk all things Toronto Raptors basketball. Adam is the host of the South of the Six podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Adam Corsair. The last name is C-O-R-S-A-I-R. And his podcast is South of the Six, but the S in six is the number six. Uh, And you can get his podcast really anywhere you download your podcast from. Adam, man, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to talk. Uh, Reigning champion basketball, Toronto Raptors. Damn right. (laughs) So this should be good. Um, All right. Well, Adam, let's just dive right on into it. Before we went on hiatus on March 11th, the Raptors were at 46 and 18, second in the East, um, really an arm's length away from the number one seed, six games behind the Bucks, and three and a half games up on Boston, who's in the third seed. So kind of sitting in an island there at the two seed. Um, I don't really know, and, and I guess we can get into this. I don't think they're going to jump the Bucks. I don't think there's a chance there. But I feel like three and a half games up on Boston is a pretty good lead heading into the eight seeding games. Yeah, yeah. I'm not worried about them coughing up the the two seed. Um, I don't have much confidence, and I didn't have much confidence walking into the season that they trump over the the Bucks. Um, the Bucks are, you know, when you have the best player in the Eastern Conference, in my opinion, Giannis, that pretty much propels you to the top as it is. So. Um, yeah, I, I think they're sitting pretty. I think, you know, with the expectations being so low walking into the season and they are currently still, and they'll probably, as I said, remain at the two seed. You can't really complain and you can't really scoff at that. Definitely. So we're already going to get off track. We have an outline here and I'm one question and I'm going off the rails here, but you said (laughs) not a lot of, um, I forget the words you used, but not a lot of confidence going into the season. You know, mm-hmm. definitely didn't think Toronto was going to be the two seed, especially after Kawhi walks away. Uh, Danny Green is gone. What? Why? Why do you think they overachieved and are up to to the second seed? Is this solely like a Nick Nurse thing? Is this a Pascal is just better than a lot of us thought? Um, what What would you attribute the the success of the season to? It's a combination of all those things, but I think coaching was the primary primary reason why they they propelled themselves as far as they did and exceeded those expectations. Um, you can attribute a lot of the success to Pascal Siakam, although he did miss a decent amount of time um, around the December period. Uh, his his growth in his leap has been pretty extraordinary, and having a piece like that to sort of center around your entire team is advantageous and it's going to make any team pretty good. But I attribute a lot to the, of the success, like I said, to Nick Nurse and his coaching and um, the the focus on defense that he has and the, the way he sort of is a wizard when it comes to his scheming and the way he draws up plays. He thinks outside the box, right? So you have a lot of uh, coaches that kind of want to play this modern style of NBA and they don't want to really di- divert from that much. Um, 
and you saw Nick Nurse in the Eastern Conference Finals last year do a box and one. Like, who would put a box and one in, in the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals? I don't know. And to me, that's that's just indicative of the type of coach that he is. He's very crafty. He's very creative. And I think when you have that creativity and you have that, I don't know, the courage to think outside of the box and not only think outside the box, but utilize it on the floor, I think you can really propel yourself to a lot of a lot of success. And it's been proven with the championship. Nice. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So let's get back to the recap. Toronto, 6-3 and three since the All-Star break. 4-0 and oh in their final four games before we shut the season down. Can you give us anything else as far as a recap of what we kind of need to know about Toronto going into the bubble? Well, the the names that obviously people attribute tribute the uh, the Raptors to are the Kyle Lowry's and the Serge Ibaka's and as you mentioned the Pascal Siakam's those are the obvious, but I think the names that are still under the radar perhaps a little bit unfairly are the uh, the Fred Van Bleets and the Norman Powells and to a lesser degree I think OG Ananobi. These players are young and they're hungry and they have a lot to do with how successful the Raptors have been not only during their championship run but how well they played in the regular season this year and when you have young players that are hungry and they're really out to stake their claim not only just to earn a contract maybe but to really you know prove themselves as core pieces of this team minus Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green um you got to admire that. And as I mentioned, the fact that they're under the radar, I think makes them a little even more hungry for that success. So when you really break it down, a lot of the reason why they're good is these unknown uh, assets that they have. And I, if I was someone that's you know trying to study the Toronto Raptors heading into this playoff season, if we have it at all, um, Norman Powell and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi are the names I would have in mind. Nice. And I wanted to bring up OG at some point in this podcast because I love that dude. Oh, yeah. I loved him on draft night. I wish the Thunder would have drafted him on draft night. Um, just his size, his length, his versatility, his defensive upside. I feel like Toronto has a lot of those kind of guys. Like the most important position in the league right now is that big, versatile wing. And it feels like Toronto has a lot of guys kind of flying under the radar at that spot. Yeah, the reason why he's, if we're talking specifically about OG, the reason why he's so under the radar is because last year he didn't have a postseason, right? He wasn't there. He was hurt, and he was also dealing with some personal issues. Um, He was a little inconsistent to start the year, and I think that has a lot to do with court rust. You can sort of attribute uh, the, the lack of consistency to that, but when it comes to his defensive prowess, he is an animal. Like, this is a guy that was glued to LeBron James two years ago in the Eastern, uh, not the Eastern Conference Finals, the semifinals, and he performed well. Even LeBron James sort of shouted him out and said, this guy has a future in the NBA as a defensive presence. So when you have someone like that that's sort of a two-way player, he's not awesome on the wing. Like, he does have a lot of work to do when it comes to his shot, but when it comes to his interior game, I really like it. I really like the the aggressiveness. I really like the fearlessness in that. He almost doesn't recognize his own sort of shortcomings, and he just is fearless in that aspect. So when it comes to OG Ananobi, he's a really, really good piece to have because he's still so young. And in a way, he's still so raw. And you can see, as you sort of alluded to, the the potential that he has to just blossom with this team. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. So, uh, But the Thunder ended up with Terrence Ferguson in that draft <laughs> instead of OG Ananobi. So we're, we won't get down that rabbit hole, though. Um, all right, hit us with some season highlights. What were some of the big moments for the Toronto Raptors up until March 11th. Kyle Lowry's the 30-point <laughs> the, the comeback against the Dallas Mavericks 
towards uh, Christmas time. That was amazing. If anybody hasn't watched that game, and I know Kyle Lowry catches a lot of heat. He's very underrated. People do not appreciate how good Kyle Lowry is. Most people don't. Um, I encourage you to to hit up League Pass if it's still free. I'm not sure that it still is. Um, and even if it's not, if you're paying for it, go back to the Mavericks at Raptors game. Watch the masterful performance of Kyle Lowry. That was incredible. Other than that, Terrence Davis has had a handful of really eye-opening games. I remember there was this one game. I'm not too sure which one it was, but he had a five-point game. And Nick Nurse pulled him. He only played eight minutes. Nick Nurse pulled him. He's, you know, he was playing terrible. He had absolutely no awareness as to what was going on during that game. And Terrence Davis came up to Nick Nurse right after that and said, yo, start me the next game. I won't let you down. Comes back and he has like a 20-point game. Just rookie, undrafted rookie, just comes out of nowhere. Has a masterful performance. And those these types of games are just there sporadically for anybody to see. Uh, the, the L.A. Lakers game without Kyle Lowry, without Serge Ibaka, against a fully healthy Lakers team on the road on a back-to-back. The next night they were playing the Clippers, the Raptors came out with a win. That is unheard of. I know it's just the regular season, but they beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis in L.A. To me, these are just indicative of the never-say-die attitude that the Raptors have coming out of the championship season. So for me, it gives me a lot of confidence heading into these games. Nice. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Kyle Lowry taking charges in the All-Star game. <laughs> One of them didn't count, apparently. Yeah, I think it was yeah. against Kawhi. But yeah, that's indicative of how awesome Kyle Lowry is. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what's been going on since March 11th. Obviously, the, the league has been on hiatus. Actually, as we record today, maybe even right at this moment, I think the Raptors are in the air flying down to Florida mm-hmm. to start camp. Uh, they're they're not doing their their pre camp or whatever they're calling it in Toronto. Um, another storyline we have skinny Mark Gasol, uh, which blew my mind when I saw that picture. Anything else about the organization players? Anything during this quarantine and hiatus period that we need to know about? I'm not sure how much opportunities they had. How many opportunities they had, rather to really work out during this time off. Now, I know a lot of people were quarantining. Um, Toronto really took that seriously. Toronto encouraged all their residents to stay inside. And being that it's a a pretty big city, um, it's it's very New York-like, a lot of these players lived in apartment condos, like really nice apartments, but they don't have access to a gym. So that is something that I was uh, keeping an eye on throughout this whole time is how are they going to adjust back into game shape? How are they going to adjust back to to minimize fatigue, to minimize that rust that I was talking about in the beginning of the season? How are they going to make sure that this doesn't happen? And when you see things like Skinny Marcus you see these videos of Serge Ibaka working out in his apartment having these phone calls with people like Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, encouraging them to put down the potato chips and work out in their apartment. <laughs> Sounds like me, Surge. Yeah, that's what you would know. There you go. It, it, it just makes me encourage that, okay, there's a real team aspect here that we're dealing with. There's a real leadership quality when it comes to everybody, everybody on this team to chase another championship. So that has been the thing on my mind, but outside of that, when it comes to the city of Toronto, I know things have been pretty tight, as I've mentioned, and they were also worried about you know travel. How are they going to get back into the United States? How are they going to be able to do this? As you mentioned, they were the first, and to my 
knowledge, the only team today to travel to Orlando. And again, to my knowledge, it's not even the entire team. So I think that's a little bit of a slight advantage that, you know, keeping my fingers crossed, knock on desk here, if everything stays as it should and everything stays safe, they have that extra day as a team to work out together, the extra day to get together and sort of address what needs to be addressed. So any little advantage that you can have heading into this this weird season or the end of it, I think is is good for any team. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's shift gears and start looking to the future now. So Toronto on their way down to Orlando as we speak. They're going to play their first game probably on July 30th, July 31st. Eight seeding games. Now, Adam, you might know who those eight games are against. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But how are you feeling about that eight-game seeding schedule and then heading into the playoffs? Uh, We mentioned this at the top of the pod. Probably going to start, not start, but stay in that second seed. I don't really see a lot of fluidity there. But how do you feel about those eight seeding games that they'll play before we get to the playoffs? I'm not really worried about it because, as we mentioned, they have such a, a decent advantage over the uh, the Boston Celtics. So when it comes to that, that's the only team that I'm really worried about chasing them. Although you can make an argument for Miami, they can go on a run. They've proven that. They are, are one of the few Eastern Conference teams that have beaten the Bucks consistently this season. Um, but in, when it comes to forfeiting that second seed, I'm not really worried about it at all because... The Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat, they still have to play the same teams, I think, that the Raptors do. And I know the Raptors have to play the Bucks twice. They play, I think, Philly twice. They play Boston. They play Memphis. There's a lot of games in there that may just be automatic losses, but at the same time, against Memphis, I'm not worried about that at all. Against Philly, I know a lot of people had a lot of hype about Philly. Not worried. Not worried about Philadelphia at all when it comes to the Raptors. So, um. I just I'm not concerned. I think the the name of the game and what the Raptors, the mentality that they've adopted last year was the only thing that matters is the playoffs. The regular season is just practice. You know, Kawhi said it best. They're just practice games. So when it comes to especially heading into this new environment, right? These are literally practice yeah. games to sort of rev you up for that playoffs when it starts to count. So I'm not worried about them forfeiting the seed. I think they're sitting pretty at two all the way. Awesome. So we've talked about a handful of players, and we're probably going to reiterate those here. But who are some? Give me like two or three players that we need to watch down in Toronto, down in Orlando for Toronto. Good lord, Let's maybe call I can start Orlando. Orlando, down in Orlando. <laughs> I love it. Um, it can be you know the the big names. Uh, you mentioned some underrated guys. Maybe some guys coming back from injury that we need to be a little bit worried about. Just hit me with two or three names of guys that we need to watch and why. Well, if you're a Raptors fan, pay attention to Terrence Davis. I think Terrence Davis is a guy that d- deserves a spot in the playoff rotation. I personally think he's the number eight guy, number eight guy coming off the bench. I think he's valuable. I think he's proved his, his weight in gold for this team being undrafted. The the potential is limitless when it comes to him. So keep an eye on him. Um, otherwise, I, I'm interested to see what Fred Van Vliet does. He's coming off an injury, a shoulder injury, so having this time to heal and settle in might have been good for him, right? He doesn't have to worry about um, sort of exacerbating the injury, making it worse, and you know, fighting for a playoff spot. Like I said, I think they're sitting pretty. So keep an eye on Fred Van Vliet just for the injury thing. I don't think it's going to be a, a, too much of a concern, but it is lingering in the back of my mind. Same thing with Marcus Gasol. Yeah, he's skinny Marcus Gasol. We love seeing that. Really, we do. But hamstrings are tricky. 
right? When you injure a hamstring, even though he came back and he sat the Jazz game, but the day before the game before the Jazz game he played, even though you know he's had all this time to rest, hamstring injuries are fickle. They can come back at you and creep up like that. So when it comes to concerns and stuff, Fred VanVleet and Marcus All keep an eye on them. When it comes to on, when it comes to players that will pretty ju- much jump out on you, Terrence Davis is the guy to watch. Awesome. Um, so let's talk playoffs a little bit. Eight seeding games get done. We're assuming Toronto stays in the two seed. That would put them up against the seventh seed in the East, which is looking to be either the Brooklyn Nets or the Orlando Magic. What would be your preferred matchup there? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I love it. Um, I guess if I'm going to have a preference, it would obviously be Orlando only because, you know, there's still some talent minus Kyrie and KD on the Brooklyn Nets. I don't I don't take anything away from them. But Orlando, been there, done that, man. I know it's, quote unquote, their hometown, right? They have home court regardless of where they are. It doesn't really matter. But we, we beat them last year. We beat them in five last year. They took game one on whatever. Um, that would be a fun little narrative to have that revenge if we can just sort of sweep them in that aspect. Let's face it, they don't really belong there. Um, so I guess if I'm to choose, it will be Orlando, but I have a feeling it's just going to be Brooklyn anyway. All right, so second round then would be the winner of the 3-6 matchup, which is either Boston, as of right now, Boston, or Philadelphia. Um, and, and then possibly, I think Philly and Indiana are tied at, as far as records are concerned. Mm-hmm. So... Is there a preference there and kind of what what is the history and games against those teams this season? Who do you think Toronto would have the best matchup against in the second round, the best chance to win? Best chance to win, I think, is the 76ers. Um, Again, we did this last year, same sort of order. It went Orlando and then Philadelphia. Um, and then Milwaukee. Yeah, it, yeah. Or, yeah, it might it might all line up again, man. That's what I'm saying. So. If if I had to choose, me personally, I want to see them play the Celtics, all right? Uh, this has been long overdue, not seeing a Raptors-Celtics playoff. And I, and I speak for the entire Raptors fan base. We need to know. We need to know who the better team is and what better way to prove it than in the playoffs. A lot of people say they would want Jason Tatum over Pascal Siakam. That's a huge argument amongst this fan base. Who's the better player? Who is the better player to build around? Even though the playoffs don't really solidify or give an answer for that, it does give a little bit of weight to one fan base and be like, oh, man, we knocked you out in the playoffs, so, you know, Jason Tatum's not that great, even though he is. Um, So for me, just for the entertainment, I want to see the Celtics. But who do I think they have a better chance to beat? It's Philly. I don't trust Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the floor together. I just don't. I don't think they're that great. And even outside of that, who's shooting? Who's shooting for them? Harris? Okay. Who else? They don't have Redick. They don't have Butler. Who's the guy that's going to shut it down? So when it comes to who I think the Raptors have the better advantage over, it's obviously Philly. Uh, all right. I like it. So tell me, how far do you think Toronto goes in the playoffs? Uh, what round do they lose in uh, to who and how many games? Eastern Conference Finals. They'll probably lose to six against the Bucks. All right. Very straightforward. Seems like you've maybe thought about this a little bit. <laughs> I like it, though. I like it a lot. Very good. Um all right. Well, before we let you out of here, Adam, we got to play a game. Sure. Since the NBA is resuming in the most magical place on earth down in Disney World, we're going to do a quick word association game where I'm going to give you a Disney character. And then in return, you tell me which Toronto Raptor is most like that Disney character. All right. All right. So uh, we'll do four or five here. Let's start with Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. 
All right, so he's kind of a goofball. He likes to jump around a lot. He he's funny. Ah, uh, he's Pooh's main man. I'm gonna go with OG. I think OG and an OB because he's like, even when he's on the floor, he's not you know that funny. But when he's off the floor, he's hilarious. And I think when you need Tigger to be that guy to rely on, he's there and he's serious. He you know, he'll fight for you. But otherwise, he's just a jokester. So I'm gonna go with OG. I love it. I love it. Let's go with Mufasa from The Lion King. Ooh, he's the leader. Does it have to be a player? No, no. We've had people throw out coaches and GMs before. All right, I'm going to go with Masai Ujiri. He's the man. He, he's uh, the guy. He's the one that everyone looks up to. He's got that presence. He's got that king speak. I'm going with Masai Ujiri. I love it. I love it. Um. All right, let's go his son then, Simba. Simba. Oh, okay. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say Nick Nurse. Forget. No, I'm not going to say that. Uh <laughs> Simba, uh, let's go with Norman Powell. You know, young Simba, Norman Powell, he's kind of all over the place. He's sporadic. After, I guess in the middle of the season, he sang Akuna Matata, and now he's blossomed into this awesome king-like guy. So I'm going to go Norman Powell. Nice. All right, let's keep the Lion King thing going because Lion King's my favorite Disney right. movie. Who is the scar so of the Toronto Raptors? He's sort of the, the bad guy, but I don't want to give anybody a villain here. I'd say uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Right, he he's the guy that you just don't want to mess with right now. He's got a presence underneath the boards. He's aggressive. He probably isn't that great from the outside, and I as, assume if Scar actually played basketball, he probably isn't much of a three-point shooter. He's probably more of a defender and kind of a box-out kind of guy. So I'm gonna go Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Very good. All right, last one. Let's go Woody from Toy Story. Woody. All right, I, he's the leader. Right, he's the leader of the pack. He makes sure everyone stays together. He makes sure every the group is on the same page, even though he tried to you know kick out Buzz Lightyear in the beginning, but let's not go there. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is the leader of the pack. He's the guy everybody rounds around and makes sure everyone's looking up to. I'm going to go Kyle Lowry. I'm just imagining Kyle Lowry like walking into a game in a cowboy hat <laughs> and like some Wranglers. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> Love it. All right, Adam, man, thank you so much for coming on with us. Everyone, make sure you go check out Adam's podcast, South of the Six. You can find it anywhere you download your podcast. He is on Twitter at Adam Corsair, and his podcast is on Twitter at South of the Six. Remember, the S in six is the number six. Uh, don't forget that whenever you search for him. And uh, I'm assuming we're going to be talking about Toronto for quite some time down in the bubble. Uh, so make sure you follow Adam for all your Toronto perspective while the NBA returns. Man, thank you so much again. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Adam Corsair for coming on the podcast. We had a blast talking Toronto basketball with him. And lastly, let's get you over to Taylor's conversation with Ty and Rohan about the Milwaukee Bucks. So now we are joined by two fellow members of the Blue Wire family, Ty Windish and Rohan Cotty, co-hosts of the Eurostep podcast, and that's Euro as in G-Y-R-O. I bet you can guess it. They cover the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, really enjoy listening to their podcast and their insight. In addition to hosting the Eurostep, Ty is a reporter for the Wisconsin Herd, the G League team of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and also writes some really insightful articles on his Patreon account, especially during this lockout. I've been really impressed uh, seeing some of the stuff that he's been tweeting out. So, uh, Ty, it's actually his name and his Patreon is, is where you can find it. So be sure to check that out as well. And you can find Ty on Twitter at Ty Windish. Windish uh, that's T I W I N D I S. C-H, and Rohan at R-K-A-T-T-I, 
Yeah, JR. Sorry. <laughs> Some of those letters run together. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us, guys. We're really excited to have you and talk about maybe the hottest team in the league this season, the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. I felt so bad we had all these complicated plugs. You did it really well, though. Thank yeah, you so much awesome. for doing that. <laughs> awesome. we, we appreciate the opportunity. Well, good, Definitely. good. We, uh, we're appreciative of you guys coming on. And so let's just address the elephant in the room here, guys. Um, how many first-round picks do you think Sam Presti will get the Bucks for Giannis next season? Oh, <laughs> well, we always get ambushed. Whenever we go anywhere, <laughs> we get ambushed. We can't let you breathe. Okay. You guys okay, go on Twitter. You, you see Jason Kidd going to, this, to the to Knicks to get yeah. Giannis to go. You know? We're, we're well prepared. We, are, we uh, have the uh, accurate response of uh, maybe, maybe readjust your uh, expectations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, you guys are like, uh, we'll take all of your first-round picks. We'll take Shea, and we'll uh, we'll also take uh, just about anybody else uh, because nobody's quite Yeah, we'll take, the, we'll take the door? naming rights maybe, to the yeah, maybe, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we'll take everything. Hey, I, I was listening to your guys' most recent podcast. You guys talked to, uh, really high on Gallo. Could give you Gallo in there. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're you're almost halfway there, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. And even, even that might be generous. Maybe, um, yeah. <laughs> but I just had to give you guys a hard time because, like I said, I know you guys, especially with the recent Jason Kidd news, uh, I remember being in those shoes and when the whole Kevin Durant thing was going on and then again with Russell Westbrook, and uh, the second time turned out much better for us. And for <laughs> what it's worth, I think you guys will be uh, falling into the Russell Westbrook category with Giannis staying is my assumption. But, uh, again, I don't really have any say or insight, but uh, I just had to give you guys a little bit of a hard time to start this off. So uh, just – to jump into the Bucks and and the resumption of the season and, and the playoffs coming up, again, they're one of the most interesting teams. So I want to do a quick season recap prior to the break and play. Um, the Bucks were 53-12, and 12, which was not only good for first in the East, but was also the best re- record in the entire league. Um, <laughs> they're actually up six and a half games on the second place Raptors, which is pretty incredible. The uh, defending ch- champs, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, and they were six and four prior to that hiatus. Uh, there was a couple games in there. I think three straight games that they lost, mainly due to some injuries, which we'll get into. Actually, that's next. Uh, Giannis and uh, Bledsoe were both nursing some knee soreness. Giannis had a kind of a nasty fall um, a couple games prior to the hiatus. Um, fortunately, it seems like they probably will be okay and good to go um, with the season resuming. And then George Hill was in a similar situ- situation, uh, nursing a minor growing injury. Uh, but again, from everything I read and everything I've seen, um, The Athletic and other places, it seems like all three of these players will probably be good to go. Um, did I miss anybody? And kind of what are your guys' thoughts on those three uh, particular injuries? Uh, it didn't seem like anything was really that significant. Initially, we thought well, the Giannis injury was going to be a, a lot worse considering right. how bad the fall looked initially. But thankfully, it wasn't anything like super significant. It was just going to be a lot of time off. Um, but it seems like from everything we've heard or haven't heard maybe I guess it's it seems like everything is on track for Giannis to play potentially in the Orlando restart uh especially like it doesn't seem like anyone had any injuries get worse good good yeah, and, and that's kind of the oh sorry go ahead no, just poor George Hill just absolutely got his nads obliterated by Goran Dragic <laughs> yep and one of the last just one of the I mean like of course, your heart stops whenever Giannis holds anything. You know, right. besides, I mean, even when he holds little baby Liam, my heart stops in a different way. But <laughs> when he was when he's holding his knee, of course, you you know, you panic, your heart skips a beat. But George Hill, you just felt immediately so bad. It wasn't no, even I, a foul. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm not. No, I, yeah, we, we, we were riled up in the time. We're still slightly riled uh, up. But um, yeah, the the funniest thing about when the season stopped for the Bucks is they're one and four in their last five games. The worst stretch of the season by far. Their worst stretch since the very beginning of the year when they also looked kind of bad. And like you said, even with that, even with Toronto going on a torrid tear, 
near the last month or so when we actually had games, they still have that crazy lead, which just goes to show how incredible Milwaukee was the rest of the year. But yeah, I don't think I don't think they're gonna have anybody who uh, at least any of those injuries that carry over and, and present any difficulties. Well, that's a, another perfect transition because speaking of how hot <laughs> Milwaukee was and how great of a season they had been having. Um, I have some highlights I want to go over here, kind of get your guys' opinions on, and then get any, I just kind of threw out three of the most obvious to me, um, and then I want you guys to throw out any others that I may have missed that may not be as well known, uh, things that really stood out to you guys as Milwaukee uh, fans and, and guys who cover the team. So the first of those are the most obvious in Giannis, obviously on another MVP run, uh, looking to defend his MVP title. And there's also many analysts right now, um, well-known analysts who actually have a vote on these things, projecting him to also win Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, it's just it's another insane season for Giannis. It's um, you know it's it's hard to really comprehend how well he's really doing, uh, especially considering we can cover the team. But it's just it it's just Giannis. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, he he gets better at everything every year. He he has yet to stop doing that outside of the uh, rookie to sophomore season three point shooting. Shout out to Jason Kidd, who's already been mentioned way way too many times so <laughs> I'm, I'm, any having, I'm having flashbacks yeah, yeah it's, so it's not great it's not so great fair. but yeah I mean honest is just it, it is hard to say I mean how how good he's gotten I mean he's gained 50 pounds of muscle since his rookie year he, he obviously uses every single pound very very effectively the three-point shot is sort of coming along the, the, the free throw was coming along for a little while there he's kind of working on this form there, which, I mean, a lot of people, I think both of us included, think that ultimately could be even more important than the, the three-point shot, but it, it, they're close. Um, but, yeah, the the DPOI thing hurts because I'm seeing Brooke Lopez getting snubbed more and more, but Giannis that is, is obviously a, a great defender that as well. That is fair. Yeah, I've heard the argument for, for uh, Brooke as well, and he definitely deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, but somebody else, uh, kind of overshadowed a little bit by Giannis this season, it's just how great of a season that Chris Middleton is having. Oh. Um, he is getting some, I mean, obviously he was an all-star selection, so it's not like uh, he's not getting a, a ton of credit or anything, but when you look at these stats, it's just absolutely incredible, and it's kind of being overshadowed by another incredible year by Giannis and just the Bucks as a whole. Middleton is currently just shy of the notor- notorious 50-40-90 mark, averaging 49.9% uh, percent from the from the floor on twos, or I guess overall, 41.8 from three, and a 90.8% from the free throw line, which is just pretty incredible. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Chris and the season that he's been having? Well, it just... It goes to show, like, I'm glad he's actually getting a little bit of recognition, even though his, um, he seems to be, he's usually in the conversation for, like, is he actually a good sidekick for Giannis? Like, that's the main right. topic in which Chris Middleton gets discussed, rather than the fact that he's actually putting up one of the greatest NBA seasons of all time. Um, well, I mean, like, his, in, in terms of his benchmarks. Notorious yeah. group, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, fair. True, fair. true, true, true. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 I'm not sure. <laughs> Chris Seven, Middleton 15, is the most 16, important player on the Bucks. <laughs> uh, 16, 16 Steph, 01 Shaq, 86 Bird, <laughs> 20 Middleton, all those names you just put together, 13 LeBron, that's the group. <laughs> that's it. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, but... Um, <laughs> But besides, like, just, like, statistical benchmarks, it's, like, he's actually diversified his game, like, a lot in the sense, like, he's had more freedom in the system in the year two under Coach Budenholzer because Ty and I have done a lot of dissecting of last year's playoffs and, like, what went wrong there. And uh, we just sort of, we realized, like, compared from this year to last year that Chris Middleton has so much more free reign 
uh, to do what he does best in the offense. And he's just he's being able to put all of his skills on full display. And I think that's I think that's allowed him to, you know, have such a great season. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then um, speaking of defense that we mentioned earlier with Giannis, it's not just Giannis either. It's not just Chris either, who usually is assigned maybe the best swing on the other team. Um, The defense as a whole, I think, is a season highlight. I'm curious to get your guys' insight on this as well. 101.9 defensive rating, which is first in the NBA, and that goes hand in hand. I I believe they're seventh in the uh, total league right now in terms of offensive rating. Um, And that's even kind of gone down a little bit, like you guys said, um, with kind of a a rough uh, February, March um, at one point, it, it was much better than that. And so uh, w- what are your guys' thoughts on the defense that you've seen from your team uh, this season and, and specifically being so great and so dominant? I think my favorite thing about the defense is that almost everybody on the team is either like is better or has improved more than I expected um, on the defensive end specifically. Like I think the main Brooke Lopez storyline might be his threes aren't falling. His three-point percentage is way down this year. It's it's been it's hard to say issue and the Bucks have been the best team in the league, but like if you're looking for issues, it, it might be number one. But I think his defense is even better than last year. Um, I think Wes Matthews is not a guy I would think would be used as an elite defender, even if he is good, but the Bucks go ahead and they'll stick him on James Harden, they'll stick him on LeBron, and, and yep. he does credibly well on all of them. He's been great. Um and kind then Dante a little bit of a defensive resurgence for uh, for Wes. Yeah, I mean, like his role is so small that people don't notice. I mean, you look at his points per game or whatever, and it's like, oh, whatever, who cares? But if you watch a lot of Bucks, his his job on defense, maybe I, don't, I can't say that just because Brook and Giannis are so good, but it's been, really been impressive stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely, I. Couldn't agree more. And when I, I, I mean, I knew the the Bucks were an incredibly uh, sound defensive team, but when I saw that they were currently they currently had the highest uh, defensive rating or the best defensive rating, I should say, um, I was really blown away. But uh, it, yeah, they've been really fun to watch. And so, like I said, it's it's a pretty optimistic uh, recap for you guys. The Bucks have been awesome this season, and now we're kind of transitioning now into uh, we're feeling a little more optimistic about the season resuming. Um, for a while there, uh, particularly last week and the week before, it seemed like maybe <laughs> the, the season resumption might not go on, as at least as planned. Uh, maybe some players wouldn't play, but the more and more info we're getting now, it looks like we're going to be continuing the season, and the Bucks can continue um, that, that championship push. So you guys kind of mentioned this earlier, but how did you guys feel the team was trending before the shutdown? Obviously, there's a couple injuries there, but outside of that, kind of as a whole, how are you feeling um, getting closer and closer to playoffs? I... At, at that point when the season sort of shut down, it kind of felt like the Bucks were sort of in the, a little bit of a mid-season slump. It's weird to say like one in five is a in their last five games, I think. Yeah, right? One in four. One in four, sorry. Excuse me. Um, it was their by far their worst stretch of the season. Um, like it was, it's not even close. So just seeing... Seeing that was a little bit startling, and especially with injuries, but it was sort of like you weren't getting too concerned because it was a lot of uh, older players getting a little injured, like uh, George Hill, like uh, Kyle Korver. You would expect like a little bit of these things, and it's good that it wasn't necessarily in, you know, like right before the playoffs started, so you can actually have some time to rest and recover. It's just, it felt like they were sort of hitting that mid-season sort of like lull. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And, and kind of to that point, you know, uh, Chris Middleton didn't necessarily have an injury, uh, but they were even kind of resting him, you know, and I actually was interviewing Keith Smith um, for the Celtics preview, and he mentioned and kind of called it the dog days of the NBA season, um, because kind of like you guys said, it's just kind of like trying to push and, and get healthy for the playoffs. Um, but regardless, you know, at six and four of your last 10, they, they were uh, maybe training downward a little bit towards the very end, uh, right up to the pause and play, but um, obviously they were still still not terrible. Um, so how are you guys feeling about your team's eight-game regular season schedule and the uh, the seeding? I know we don't have the official um, schedule yet. I think that will probably be announced sometime in the next week, um, but we've kind of heard that potentially it'd be the teams that are going to be in the bubble. You would just skip the teams that aren't and finish your season that way. Um, so how would you guys feel about playing those next eight games and, and how you guys would fare heading into the playoffs? I think the highlight is, I mean, obviously there's some good teams because there's mostly good teams left, but I think they're slated to play the Wizards twice in those eight games against just the bubble teams, yep. which now we just got word this week or yesterday or today. I think yesterday Davis Bertans is not coming. playing, true. Yeah, so we'll see what Beal wants to do. I mean, he's not uh, an upcoming free agent, but still, I mean, these games are very, very pointless for Washington, who I I would bet probably dangerous amount of money that they are not even going to force a play-in game, much less actually make it to the eighth, the ninth or eighth seed. But um, so if they get to play Washington twice, then I think it's about as easy of a of a slate as you can get. But I really think, I mean, this for the Bucks is going to be tune-up games, get back in the rhythm. I don't. I mean, they're not going to want to go 0-8. I mean, they're competitors, but you see the lead they have in Toronto. They have to win, like, two, maybe three games to cement the first seed in the East. It's not a 16-team bracket, so you don't have to worry about, you know, the Lakers surpassing them or something like that. There's no real home court because they're all in the bubble. We'll see if they do one of the weird home court advantage things or not. But uh, I think just uh, they're, they're going to look at it as a tune-up, get, get back into focus and with the two Wizards games, you, you couldn't ask for too much easier, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I'm really glad you brought that up, Ty, because um, that's something I wanted to, to run by you guys. What does a team like the Bucks? How do, how do they treat this, this those eight games? Um, you know, obviously you want to try and balance between like, gearing up and getting ready for the playoffs, but you also don't want to risk injury to your stars with a chance to win the championship. So how do you think the Bucks will balance those two things? I think it, I think what Ty said in this sense that it's more going to be like tune-up games is a good way to put it. It's it's an opportunity to make sure you're not just jumping into the playoffs without having played basketball for a couple months. Uh, so you just get the opportunity to really um, you know get into a rhythm again, and you don't really need to worry about like winning or losing these games. As Ty said, they only have to win two games to really lock up the one seed. So you can just you can just let your main guys play a little bit get them warmed up, get them ready to go, and then just, you know, punt the game if you need to. It doesn't right. It doesn't really matter for Milwaukee. Survive in advance. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think for the Bucks, it's even less important because, I mean, we'll see how the play-in or whatever shakes out, but they're going to draw one of, like, Brooklyn or Orlando in the first round, and you don't exactly need to be at peak operating capacity for that either. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Bucks said, we get the eight play-in games that largely don't matter, then we get a first-round series against a team that has virtually no chance of putting up a real fight. Let's really ease the guys back in. I mean, you, you don't want to give them so few minutes they're not ready for a potential actual test in the second round, but they certainly have some time to get everybody up to speed. And I mean, we see how Bud does rotations in the regular season, even in quote-unquote big games. I don't think we're going to see 40 minutes of Giannis in one of these seeding games, that's for sure. 
Definitely. I think that's a really good point, especially bringing up uh, buzz rotations. But So I've asked you guys quite a bit about uh, your stars and Middleton and Giannis. But what about some underrated players? Um, and Ty, I think you actually were about to bring one up uh, before I interrupted you earlier. Sorry about that. But uh, there's certainly some interesting guys who make this team so good on both ends of the floor outside of just Giannis and Chris Middleton. So who are some of those guys that maybe uh, NBA fans not so familiar with the Bucks need to be looking for and uh, that could really impact the Bucks come playoff time? Let's let's both do one quick. Rohan, you go first. Pick a pick an interesting non Giannis, and you can steal the one I was going to mention earlier if you want. <laughs> oh, to. can I? Yeah, you can. <laughs> Dante, there, there it is. Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, That's the be, name I wanted. Yes, <laughs> it's his first time in the playoffs, and he just from the way it seems really cliche to say this, but he he seems like a postseason player. You know, like a sixteen game player. You just you can get anything you want from him on the court. He can create on offense, even though you you don't you hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, he will be an insanely smart defender as he always is. He will make always make the good pass, make the good read. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can pass. He can do anything you really need him to do in a small role. So it's just it's prime position for him to have a breakout performance in the postseason because the postseason is all about like which team can really realistically have more role players break out. That's how you win championships. So if the Bucks can get Dante to really break out during this postseason, that would be fantastic. I like that. I like that a lot. Ty, who's your guy? So I got to go with, I mean, I, I let Rohan take the one that, of course, just being able to say the name Dante DiVincenzo is super right? fun. But <laughs> since this is on Disney property, how can I not go with Robin Lopez? I mean, I thought that Lopez was the other guy you were going to go with also. And he's been really good for you guys. He has. So it, it kind of stinks for Robin. I mean, him and Brooke obviously joke about hitting each other. They're both big Disney guys, so that doesn't stink for him. <laughs> but I think he's just been – he's a different player than Brooke for sure in, in a lot of ways. But I think I'd say just a little bit less effective on both ends, but not much. And I think that's huge for a Bucks team where we did our Binge the Bucks series going through the last playoffs game by game. Their lack of a credible second center mattered in the playoffs a lot. I mean, like Miritich was kind of supposed to be the guy – Newsflash, he's not that guy. Uh, not even close. But being able to, when teams go big, like your Joel Embiid's or whatever, I mean, Steven Adams, if you want to use a, a Thunder example, those big guys that maybe you don't want to go small against, the Bucks now have two of the biggest, best defensive big men in the league that they can put out there for 48 minutes if they don't want to go small. They're very comfortable going big. And also, anyone who's not familiar yet with tea time, it's going to become familiar with tea time because that is the beautiful Robin Lopez celebration after he hits a three He's shooting those now. He's making those. Sometimes. Man, the Bucks are fun. Incredible. I miss Bucks basketball. Incredible. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see that celebration. And uh, pretty incredible to see both Lopez brothers ad- ad- adapt to the NBA and uh, and really kind of change their, or expand their games, I should say, um, throughout their careers. That's, a, that's really interesting. And I love both of your guys' answers there. That was perfect. So speaking of players. Do you think any players really benefited or maybe even suffered because of the shutdown of quarantine? You know, obviously we mentioned some of the guys with injuries, um, and maybe the the answer is as simple as that. Yeah, the guys with injuries will be healthy again, but do you see any other players maybe that could have either benefited or maybe they were really hot heading into the, um, into the, or during the season, and, and now maybe they kind of cooled them down a little bit? Well, I think the Bucks overall really benefited from this. Like you mentioned, like obviously the injuries, uh, the shutdown helps because you know you give players more time to rest and recover. But the Bucks had like, I think the oldest roster in the league, so you're just giving uh, 
all of their key players like more time to rest and recover. Uh, Ty and I have joked about this on our podcast a lot, but Kyle Korver was starting to get a lot of DNP olds uh, <laughs> as the season was progressing. <laughs> so we just uh, just getting like key players who can actually hope to contribute in the postseason, getting them rested, getting them ready. I think that'll be a huge plus. Yeah, I, just a hundred percent cosign. I think the way I put it was. I mean, no team was lucky that, you know, this global pandemic happened, obviously. It, right. it stinks for everyone pretty uniformly. But, like, as as it goes for in the circumstances, given what all the other teams are going through, uh, I think the Bucks were, I don't know, quote-unquote advantaged as much as anybody. I mean, they really – and I don't think anybody was playing their best ball when the season stopped. Maybe Dante, but I think he'd been pretty just consistently improving. So, yeah, I think everyone kind of having a hard start and then restart – I think benefits the Bucks the most, but I mean, they, I don't, I don't think they would have like been mired in this slump the whole rest of the season anyway. I right. think they would have snapped out of it, but it's nice to you know get a, a jolt to get out of it the same time everybody else has to do the same. No, absolutely. I think that's all really good points, and uh, will be fun to see where the Bucks uh, pick back up. So, speaking of that, when they do take the court again, do you guys expect any big changes uh, in terms of maybe the lineups? You mentioned Bud's lineup, lineup rotations earlier their conditioning, their style of play, chemistry, whatever it may be, do you guys see any changes compared to the regular season or at least when um, the league went on hiatus? I don't think so because the way that Milwaukee and Coach Budenholzer run this team, uh, Ty may disagree with me here, but it seems it seems a little like it's almost formulaic in the way that they play and that the way that they manage their rotations, their minutes. Obviously, that can change during a postseason but uh, we hope yeah we hope yeah. <laughs> but um that that style of play might actually benefit Milwaukee compared to other teams because you don't necessarily have to get into like more of a rhythm into getting your own like style of play down in the sense that Milwaukee has a very cookie cutter way of playing so you can just jump in and know what you're supposed to do uh, obviously there's going to be rust but all every single team is going to have a lot of rust to deal with. So if Milwaukee style of play can actually help them in this situation, I, I think I think it can. I think it can help them. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think what's funny is I could sit here and like maybe they're going to try playoff lineups more, and we're going to see. No, I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think we're going to see like twelve guys in the first game. I mean, I, I think that is like I think the bud response to all of this is going to be like. Giannis plays 22 minutes the first game, and Chris plays 23 minutes, etc. That that's what I imagine. We'll we'll see. I mean, we obviously we have no, you know, this is the first time the Bucks have come back from a major pandemic in the Giannis era, so <laughs> we don't have that much to go on. But um, I, I would imagine we're just gonna see like everybody get some run to to get the rust off, which I think the Bucks are more used to that than a lot of teams. So maybe it will help them, relatively speaking. Yeah, no, I think that's also a really good point. You know, they're a very deep team that goes deep into their bench at times, and um, that could really pay off for them, kind of adjusting, like you guys said, ramping back up for playoffs, and then at that point just unleash Giannis and, and Chris. I think um, Bud will play all 17 guys in the first game. He'll probably be he like, if you're, he, if you're here, that you're going to play. Awesome. You like, might play. as well. I love it. I love it. That'd be pretty fun. All right, so I have one last series question for you guys uh, to kind of wrap it all up, and then at the very end we'll do a, a fun, fun, uh, lighthearted question. So... Right now, I want each of you guys to give me your playoff prediction for the Bucks. How many rounds, games, etc.? Uh, Ty, you give your uh, you give your <laughs> pick first here. Um, so they sweep the uh, yeah they sweep the first round. Uh, even Rusty, even even if the Bucks are Rusty, now those teams are taking a game. 
then I think they win in five twice, and then Bucks in six in the finals, and that's that's the first championship since '71. And then uh, minutes after the story breaks, Malika Andrews is gonna gain all of the favor back with Bucks fans. They still have a little ire after the story <laughs> broke, right after the the game six loss in Toronto. Story's gonna break that. He intends to sign the Supermax, and everyone's going to come together, and it's a happy, it's a fairy tale Disney ending. It's yeah, there perfect. you go. What a perfect place for it to uh, to occur. Also, I exactly, love it. I love it. Okay, Ty, you kind of you kind of set me up here for a little lesson. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's that might be partially my bad, but uh, okay. So I will agree. I say they sweep the first round, uh, and again, Ty and I joke about this on our podcast. Maybe a team takes a quarter. Who knows? Um, uh, I say I say they. Five games in the second round. Um, I say they sweep the Eastern Conference Finals because I think Whoa. the second round might be a little more. T- I think it might be a little tougher than the, for them than the Conference Finals. That's just my opinion. Because the threat of maybe Miami in the right. second round compared to Boston and Toronto in the Conference Finals, Miami skews me a little more. So I say they sweep the Eastern Conference Finals. Five games in the second round, and then it's going to be a top seven game series against the Lakers. Uh, but I think the Bucks pull it out. I, like I got to go with Milwaukee in this one. And, Ty, I will steal your idea and say the Supermax <laughs> story comes out, too. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Well, I love it. That uh, It's a perfect way to, to put a bow, like you guys said, on the Disney World uh, resumption of the season. And that'd be really awesome. I'd, I'd be stoked for you guys. And, uh, obviously, we'll be rooting for the Bucks um, to, to pull that off because I think it'd be a really fun story. But now, right before we get out of here, um, it wouldn't be right for me to bring you guys on the podcast and not play this quick game with you guys considering – the two twins you have on your team, or the two brothers you have on your team. So since the league is rooming in Disney World, I'm going to name a Disney character, and I want you guys to tell me who from your team most closely matches that character. Um, and I'm going to pick five of them. So the first one is the most obvious. I feel like I have to throw this one out for each team. Mickey Mouse, the icon. It's got to be Giannis, right? Main character, main storyline revolves around him. It's got to be Giannis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess it, it does have to be Giannis. I, like I wanted it to not just because I'm not like a huge Mickey guy, but I think it it does make a lot of sense. I like it. Um, so I'm gonna throw this one out because I feel like this one could be applicable to a couple guys on your team. Um, Goofy. Ooh, I said uh, I said Brooke Lopez. Uh, <laughs> he always likes to make light of things. It's not anything super serious. It's all it's a, it's all fun and games. So I'm gonna go with Brooke Lopez here. I, I think that answer makes a lot more sense. I don't know why this player came to my head immediately when you said the name. I just I saw Ursan Ilyasova in my head. I'm just gonna go with it. We're gonna make Ursan goofy. There you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, former Thunder player, also. I like it. Um, so Hercules, the muscle guy on the team. Oh, Bledsoe. Guy, yeah, guy is Bledsoe. jacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be Bledsoe. Interesting. I like that. I like that answer. I thought you guys might go with like Robin or somebody. Uh, I like that answer a lot more though. That, no, that Bledsoe's got like muscles on muscles on muscles. I mean, like it's, it's not even. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, let's go with Tigger next. Who's like somebody that's really explosive, full of energy? No, oh, it's it's Dante. Ooh, okay. Oh, you didn't have Dante. Wow. That's, that's, oh, that's good too. Tenacity uh, is good for that. Yeah, he's he's someone who's always gonna fight hard till the buzzer sounds, even if it really annoys the other team. Uh, yeah. So I gotta go with Giannis's brother Thanasis. I like it. Interesting. Yeah, those are two good ones. Well, my last one for you guys is one I actually haven't uh, brought up on any of the um, season previews yet, but this one's kind of fun. And I think kind of applicable to basketball. Who's the Lightning McQueen um, from Cards for the Milwaukee Bucks? Ooh, Ty, Ty, what's yours? 
So, I mean, the likable underdog who we can't help but root for. I don't know. I haven't seen Cars, but I imagine yeah, that's yeah, roughly that's, Lightning that's McQueen. That's pretty spot on. Okay, that works. So it's got to be Chris. It's Chris. Ooh, Chris is okay. the guy who didn't have a lot of shine on him at first, and we were always believers, and then he comes through in big time. I'm going with Chris, and yeah. I had to I had yeah, to make sure. somebody Chris. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Um, I went with Pat Connaughton. Uh, oh, wow. He's just, he's just someone who's – he just exudes confidence and just, like, cool, calm, collected, you know, and he's – I guess he's, like, sort of an under – I mean, yeah, like, same with Chris, second-round pick and stuff. Um but you know, he just—he's always working his way up. He's always confident. So you know, got to go with Pat Connaughton. I like it. Well, those are great answers. Um, I think that's all I got for you guys. You guys have anything else, really quick, before we before we get out of here? I just want to say I feel bad for you guys. Uh oh. Not not because of your chances <laughs> or anything. You barely got to see any Chris Middleton. I was looking back. The November game, Chris gets hurt and only plays like 20 minutes. Oh, that's true. And he misses the second game entirely with an unrelated injury, which, I mean... That was a heck that of game, a game. <laughs> yeah, that, not, for, not, for, not for you guys. That actually yeah. was a game where I was like, the Bucks were kind of like... Oh, the 40-point little... game. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it was. So that, was uh, were... that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> the Bucks were looking up and down, and then they went out and just absolutely wallop a really good yeah. Thunder team. And I was like, oh, that's that's good good and feeling. We were, like, win, hot, but... too. But you're right. No, we, we didn't really get to play much against Chris, which, like... During the season, we'll absolutely take it because we want those wins. But uh, yeah. also, as a fan, it's really fun to watch the best players play. It's okay, you'll your see team. him in the finals. Yeah, yeah there Ooh. we go. I love it. I love it. I, I yeah, I'm the Chris actually very optimistic going against for OKC's chances here. Ah, I, I like it. I like it. Well, hey, we uh, might have to get you guys on like a post game podcast or something. Or I doubt this. I guess this probably wouldn't happen looking at the schedule. But if the Bucks or Thunder were to play each other before the season, um, like during this regular season resumption, we'll have to get you guys back on. Absolutely. But thank you guys again, uh, Ty and Rohan, co-hosts of the Eurostep podcast, for coming on. Be sure to absolutely go and check out the Eurostep. Again, that's G-Y-R-O for obvious reasons. Pretty awesome. Um, part of the Blue Wire family, just like we are. We're super proud to have him on and uh, I'm really grateful. Be sure to check out, check out Ty's stuff over at his Patreon account. Um, that's Ty, T-I, Windish, W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H or sorry, Winditch, and you can find uh, Ty on Twitter at, at the same. That's his Twitter handle. And Rohan is at R-K-A-T-T-I-G-J-R. Sorry, <laughs> I had to kind of squint there. Um, so be sure to give those guys a follow and because um, we really appreciate them coming on and, and talking about a really fun team in the Milwaukee Bucks. So thank you guys again. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. This was fun. Hey, once again, I just want to say thank you to our guests this week. Keith Smith, Adam Corsair, and then Ty Windish and Rohan Cotty. Can't thank you guys enough. We hope you listeners enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed all of the Under the Bubble episodes so far. If you haven't listened to episode one and two yet, we would highly encourage you to go back and download, get caught up on all things Eastern Conference basketball. And starting next week, we are in the Western Conference. We will cover all Western Conference teams, culminating on the last week of the show we will do an episode completely dedicated to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You guys stay safe out there. Please continue to wash your hands, distance, wear a mask so we can get COVID out of here. Hope you're excited for basketball, and we will be back with you this Friday for another episode of The Uncontested. You guys have a great end of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get on all on rates as slow as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com